on the Empire Podcast this week, is it a pigeon? Is it a number 73 bus? No, it's Super Bob star Brett Goldstein, who joins the team this week in splendid isolation, of course. All that, plus usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast, that is totally fine. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's weird. I don't remember writing that over and over again for my intro. Huh. Hello, Paul. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which for the second week in a row, and you'd best get used to this, folks, comes to you from, yes, glorious, splendid, lovely, COVID-related isolation. I am talking to you from my man cave at home, but thanks to the power of the internet, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning, and one very special guest come temporary colleague of such lethal cunning, with the emphasis heavily on come. Uh, You know, of course... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh <resist>. god <laughs> we've started to all finish um, you know of course our geek queen the wonderful supernatural addicted <laughs> Helen O'Hara hello hello I haven't had an episode all week um, so I think I'm really doing quite well there really? yeah genuinely not you mean psychotic or episode of supernatural? Uh, uh, episode of supernatural definitely out of those two choices yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm well stocked up with psychotic episodes, I'm completely mind. okay with psychotic episodes. Those are happening a lot. Oh, I am not flattening the curve with regards to those. Uh, we are also joined, of course, by James Dyer, who is not also here, which is nice, I guess. He is in his man cave, in his um, uh, stupidly nice house. Hello, James. Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm surrounded by my geekabilia, uh, which is keeping me entertained during this deep, bleak isolation. Mm. Yeah, one day we're going to get you to take us through the prints that I can see on the wall behind you, and you have to share these mm. things with the adoring public at home, but that day is not today. Maybe next week. Uh, Fine. Because, because you know Helen and James, you all know them, you know LA earn a living, and you know this other guy as well. He is an actor, he is a stand-up comedian, he is a writer, a lover, a dancer, a former superhero, and a podcast host, one of the best in the business. He is a co-writer and star of the wonderful Super Bob, or, and I'm not making this up, as my autocorrect constantly wants to have it, just superb. All the time, just change <laughs> Super Bob to superb. I don't know what's happening. And he is, of course, for good measure, the host of the excellent podcast, Films to be Buried With, with Brett Goldstein. Clues in the name, it's Brett Goldstein. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you. What an incredible uh, intro. Am I the one that's... Hang on. Am I the one that's full of cum? What was the... <laughs> Let's say no. Yes, so... Uh, oh. Are you stockpiling cum? Chris. You have to. It's an apocalypse and already we're going to be cutting all of this. <laughs> you think, right? You, you say think, that. You, but, think. Oh, no, you think so. This is the good shit. This is the stuff that's staying in. But uh, Hey, listen, man, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, where are you? Uh, where, you, where, you where, are you where are you doing this from? Uh, I am in lockdown in my flat in South London. Uh, I have no... Uh, not Listen, I'm very lucky. I have a roof over my head, but I have no outside space. And I've been in mm-hmm. lockdown now for two weeks. And um, you really, you know, you start to miss the sky. You really take the sky for granted, don't you? And you miss <laughs> yeah. the sky. Yeah. I'm not saying I've gone mad, but I have started a, making a reality TV show about a fictional character going mad. <laughs> um, yes. The, the fictional character looks like me. 
and is in lockdown in South London. Mm. Yes, I, I have seen this. I've seen this on the Twitter machines. Uh, tell people about this. What, what is this? It's called Lone Island and it's uh, about a dating show where, uh, because of coronavirus, the only one contestant has showed up uh, and he's got 12 weeks on his own. And <laughs> by the end of week one, he started dating a plant. Um, and and, uh, and it, it goes on from there. I've, I've, I've written out a 12-week arc, season arc. I'm basically showrunning a reality show from my, <laughs> from my flat. Sounds, sounds really romantic. It is romantic. Um, Listen, me and Plant are really getting on. That's okay. What about you guys? Are you staying sane? <laughs> I mean, it's a question I mean, whether we were barely. ever sane to start with. You know, yeah. like you have to take into account right, the starting right. point there. So. They said the first warning sign that isolation is getting to you is when you sit down and decide to start a podcast. So I think we might have had a head start on that one. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we all have that particular affliction already. Did you see the uh, the tweet from, I think it was Nicola Coughlin, who uh, stars in Dairy Girls a few weeks yeah. ago. She was she was worried about the, uh, the sudden upsurge of white guys starting podcasts uh, <laughs> in the midst of all this. And I, I, felt, I felt so seen, so seen <laughs> in that moment. But genuinely, we've been so busy um, doing stuff for the magazine and doing stuff for the podcast that I haven't had time to do anything else. I, my God, I, how you've got the time? Because you're a busy guy, Brett. You've, you know, you've got you've got shit on the go. How you've got time I to do, do yeah. a reality show? I have no idea. Uh, well, basically, I'm a workaholic and I I um, don't like downtime. So having enforced downtime has driven me around the bed and bend, mm. and so I've made a reality show to fill in the three minute gaps I have where it's silent. <laughs> no silence. <laughs> Thank you for uh, for taking time out from Lone Island to come and, and, and talk to us and be part Thank of the team. Thank you, Liz, and I appreciate it. Uh, before we get into the shenanigans uh, that uh, that make up this week's show, uh, I just want to, on a serious note, um, I want to give a shout out to a uh, really good friend of ours uh, and a infrequent contributor. Whenever he's in the country, we get him in to do stuff from the podcast. Um, Stevie Wong, who's an incredible, incredible guy, and he is currently very, very seriously ill in New York, in hospital in New York with COVID-19 related uh, illnesses. And uh, we really, really, really hope that Stevie pulls through. And uh, at the moment, as things stand, we don't think that there is a GoFundMe or anything like that. Uh, he's an incredible personality. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, there is no better person to go karaoke hmm. with than Stevie ha. Wong. And uh, we really, really hope he pulls through. And if there is anything like a GoFundMe, anything like a campaign like that, we will let people know. And if you wish to contribute, then please do contribute. Uh, but right now, his family have asked that if you direct your prayers, if, uh, if, if that works for you, or just keep them in your thoughts uh, and project as much positivity and as many positive vibes towards Stevie as you possibly can. Uh, and hopefully he will be able to pull through this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all I can say is get well soon, Stevie. Yeah, we love you. So... In this weird new newness that we all have, um, you know, the show, as I said last week, is going to be changed slightly, mainly because <laughs> there are no films. <laughs> There's no film news to talk about. Uh, so we decided to take more listener questions per episode. And there are films, thankfully. Disney Plus launched this week. There are films in Disney Plus. Apple Plus has a film. We can, we can talk about that as well. And films are being released digitally also. But the movie news is a barren wasteland. It's basically, <laughs> this movie's gone back. That person's been infected. It's all gone to shit. So 
What I've decided to do, uh, much to my co-host's chagrin, is to introduce a new section where I have tasked Helen and James, and maybe Brett as well, if he's had time to prep, he has, he's, he's doing the thumbs up, to, to wow me I with did an... the podcast useful <laughs> visual aid of a thumbs up. Not the, not the, the Paul McCartney two thumbs up, but yeah, hey, yeah, no, I've not got great facts, time. yeah, yeah, fantastic facts. <laughs> um, so you're going to wow me, with, I've asked you to bring in a fantastic film fact, hopefully something I've never heard before, and then I'm going to pick a winner. Uh, so, James, I'm going to ask you to be the first to display your movie fact. Tell me it. Okay. Now. Go. So let me just give this little little bit of context. So so my issue with this new segment largely is that you're a lazy bastard who doesn't have to do anything. So we come up with facts and you just sit there and listen to them. So I figured throne, that yeah. it would only be fair to spread the labour around. So while I can't give you work in finding facts, I can give you editing work. So my movie fact is all about the word cunt. Bangly bang. So the, it's a wonderful word, isn't it? Bangly bangly bang. Anyway, so... The fact that I will bring to you, Christopher, is the word bangly bang has a long and storied history on the silver screen. The word it, first appears. Yes, it does. Yes, it does, Christopher. The word bangly bang first appears in graffiti on a wall in the 1969 film Bronco Bullfrog. This is the first appearance of the word bangly bang in cinema. So bangly bang appeared in '69. <laughs> Nice. Indeed. It's, it's possible it was intentional. But Hang on, are you bleeping out the word cunt? Bangly bang. Is that why this is going <laughs> yeah. to be an issue? He likes to yeah. do that, so yes, he's going to have his work cut out for him. We're going to take uh, me right. saying bangly bang at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> and we're going to take that bangly bang, and we insert it whenever the word cunt bangly bang appears. Uh, and, but we just leave the C and the T in just enough so people know what's being censored. What's it goes? Kabangly bang T. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, pretty the much. The word kabangly bang tea was first used in Bullfrog. <laughs> yeah, if you could just say that, Jimbo, instead of instead of the other thing, then it would say no, no. Emma. No, it would no. say Emma, who actually edits this podcast, oh, that's not true. me. That is true. Remember that, you massive cut. Bangly bang. Why are you punishing Emma, you I am punishing. I'm sorry, Emma. I really Think of this. You're like, you remember they used to have whipping boys. I can't hurt Chris. So I'm hurting you to hurt Chris. Yes. I apologise. Save these for the spoiler specials. But anyway, let's continue with my with with my bangly bang anecdote. Uh, now, the first spoken use of the word cunt bangly bang in mainstream cinema was in wait for it, Mike Nichols' Carnal Knowledge in 1971. Did you know that? Love that yeah. film. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Jack Nicholson says, and I quote: "Is this an ultimatum? Answer me, you ball-busting, castrating son of a bangly bang bitch." So there you go. That was the first spoken use of the word bangly bang in cinema. But it kind of opened the floodgates. It opened the floodgates. Like the bangly bangs were coming left, right, and centre after that. Uh, someone so many shouts. Really chosen words in this sentence. <laughs> well, Nicholson used it again very soon after in 1975 and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest mm-hmm. as well. Uh, both Mean Streets and Taxi Driver, early Scorsese, had bangly bang to Kimbo in there. Uh, you know, a lot of that going on. So, uh, Never mind, don't answer well, that. Well, no, but they do use the word. So, you know, I'm saying <laughs> that... Bangly, bangly, t- akimbo. <laughs> so, Jack Nicholson is himself responsible for a cavalcade of... Cu- bangly, bang. ...coming to our ears in cinemas. Mm. So, thanks, Jack. Wow. That's great. I mean, having just read Easy, Easy Riders, Raiding Bulls again, I would say that that's actually pretty, pretty accurate in more than one sense. Um <laughs> So that's yes. great. You could you could have described pretty much everyone in that book mm. with that word, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty, much, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. much. Ra- raising uh, bangly bangs. Yeah. <laughs> oh bangs. Yeah. 
Um, doesn't the record for that, the use of that word, uh, James, I believe is uh, Ken Loach's The Angel Share, Angel Share yeah. uh, mm. which it had well the be. word so much that the BBFC wanted to give it an 18 rating instead of a 15 rating. Um, but they managed to talk them down because <laughs> every single Scottish person does it was That's basically true. Their, true. their defense. Um, it seems to be a word that baffles some people. There's a TV show called The Magicians, which famously uh, bleeped out F-bombs, but left... Bangly bang. <laughs> In. And I always really? felt that was a, it was a slightly odd bit of prioritising there on the uh, like It's like the Avengers, the 12A Avengers, getting Mewling Quim past the censors because they're just not well, educated that's enough. Very true. Or Buffy the Vampire Slayer continually getting the word wanker into the show because, you know, the censors didn't speak British. Uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. While we are speaking of the word cunt, bangly bang, uh, I will say there's an episode of the Illusionist podcast dedicated specifically to this word and its etymology, and it's a fascinating listen uh, about the fact that obviously it's only relatively recently that it became an expletive. It was just a common u- word used for that part of female anatomy, uh, and one of the most uh, common roads in the United Kingdom was grope cunt bangly bang lane, uh, of which there were many of them in many cities, and it's where prostitutes used to ply their trade. Hmm. Fantastic. Absolutely this true. Is, you've gone all in on this one. So I have. Speak, it's and, all uh, the facts. I applaud that. Um, I will say probably my favourite use of the word on the big screen comes in Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, uh, where they're talking about a, a famous Gigolo who has passed away at a meeting of all the big famous Gigolos. And out of nowhere, this very old British guy stands up and goes, I never liked him. He was a supercilious bangly bang. And it's just very bizarre <laughs> that it's in the middle of this weird Rob Schneider comedy. Anyway, I, I would I would follow that and say, uh, with Nail and I, Monty, you terrible cunt. Bangly bang. Terrible cunt. Bangly bang. Perhaps my, my favourite use of it on screen. Mm-hmm. That and Bricktop in Snatch. Well, yeah, the, his dialogue is basically just that word <laughs> and then some linking words and some verbs and whatnot. Yeah. Anyway, yes, uh, that is a strong start, James. I, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make me stop this segment already. That's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's, let's do that. That's fantastic. It ain't, ain't going to work. It's going to be back next week. <sighs> you bangly banked. Uh, Hell's Bells. I don't really have anything. What's your incredible film I fact? was reading a Mae West um biography and when she first moved to Hollywood uh, she was held up at gunpoint in her car one evening um, and they demanded all her money and her diamonds and she had always said she would rather die than give up her diamonds right that was a big deal with Mae West she did not you know she valued them more than life Um, but she realized as she was in this situation she was handing over the money no problem that wasn't an issue but um, she realized in this situation that she wasn't wearing her favorite diamonds she was like wearing the b-list of diamonds so she was just like, eh, fuck it, handed them over um, and claimed on the insurance afterwards that while she had bought them for $12,000, she'd actually struck a remarkably good deal so that the insurance replacement value should be 24. I just really like her chutzpah, so. Did she get the 24? I, 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 said, I believe not. However, I like that she tried it. Mm. Yeah. Helen, do you uh, wear your first or second favourite diamonds when you go um, running? I actually, I do have mm. like a tiny diamond stud in one ear. So technically I do, yes. Is it a girl's best friend? Um, I mean, yes. Sure. Or is that a more personal question? <laughs> no, it's, it, they're, they're pretty good, I guess, to have. Because, you know, there's a whole song about how useful they are to you in life and how they're much more reliable than anything else. So They mm. are. <laughs> Yep, they wouldn't infect you with COVID, would they? Mm, would they? Mm, no, think about I think that, that would be difficult, diamonds. yeah. Mm, Maybe yeah. if you licked Maybe them. Maybe we should all wear diamond-studded hazmat suits or something. Um, 
that's a very good fact, Helen. You say you have nothing, I mean, but you had something. Yes, I, mean, I like it. You pulled it out the last minute. It's a really minute. good fact. It was a very good fact, and it wasn't just a uh, you know puerile and juvenile like like Jimbo's fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mine was Brett. educational. This is true. Educational. Bangly bangational. Um, oh. uh, Brett, what is your fact? Uh, well, I had four for you. I didn't realise it was the option of an essay <laughs> or a one-liner. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you one. Peter Pan and the 101 Dalmatians uh-huh. are the only two Disney animated films where both parents are present in the film and don't die at some point in the film. Whoa. I did not know that. Just two. That's a good one. Yeah, only that's, two. That's pretty good. That pretty is good, pretty it? good. It also reinforces how fucking bleak Disney's yeah. films are. <laughs> oh, listen, I had to re-watch The Fox and the Hound the other day. Fox and the Hound is the quickest Disney death. In the opening, as the credits are rolling at the beginning, the fox's uh, dad gets mm. shot. Wow. <laughs> it's like, before it even gets to the fox and the hound. Yeah, that's, that's like finding Nemo in the credits. Um, Nemo's yes, mum yes, and all of his true. siblings get eaten. All the, all yeah, the kids, yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Does that still apply? I mean, going I'm back. I'm thinking Helen, Moana. Thinking actually, Moana stuff? has both. Both her parents survive. Um, uh, that's tangled true. her. Do they? Yeah, they do. She got She's a got mom? a mum and a dad. Her granny dies, though. Yeah, technically, her granny dies. Technically, Tangled's parents are alive, aren't they? Tangled, yeah, Tangled, but she's separated from them for most of the film, so you get yeah, some points yeah. for that one. Um, obviously, Frozen, like they're super dead. Um, super or dead. Or are they? Mm. Question super mark. Watch dead. Frozen too. Find out. All right, so there are three cracking facts, um, uh, and now it falls to me to choose the winner and I'm going to keep a running tally uh, or hope that someone on Twitter is going to keep a running tally because I'm far too lazy to do it uh, of the winner every week until James and Helen gang up on me enough that I drop this segment but it won't mm. be for a while fingers crossed yeah, three episodes three episodes That's, you've got to road test these things right road test them see what works um, so I think James obviously gets points for preparation he gets Thank points you. For elaboration, uh, elaboration more like, and oh. uh, come on, guys. And no. but it was just juvenile nonsense, really, wasn't it? It was just it was shock value, shock tactics. So therefore, I'm placing James third, third this week. You Sorry. sir are a bangly bang. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you please, please. Um, mm. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> the, the audience is going to dwindle. Uh, so then it's tricky. It is tricky. Uh, Brett had a really good fact. Helen was just was all like, "Oh, I didn't prepare a fact," and then suddenly, boom! Yeah, Mae West a anecdote. Oh yeah, what's this in my back pocket? Oh, look, it's an incredible <laughs> fact about Mae West. Um, Brett, uh, I think your fact was fantastic, but it was subject to scrutiny and uh, an official's appeal about whether it's actually true or not. So, <laughs> on, on, that, on that basis, and only on that basis, I'm making you second. Second Hang on, place where, for Brett. Where the fuck are we, where's the, uh, where are we checking up on the Mae West fact? Moana, I mean, Moana. No, I mean, but, I, can, I can literally hold up the page to the camera. We, we need to get Mae West on to verify this That's fact. That's a very I mean, good point. Who's I mean, her next of kin and can you get them on the phone? Yeah. Um, that, I need that, evidence. That could, that could be difficult. But, I am um, happy okay. to concede because I did like the, I think the Mae West one was the best, to be fair, even oh, if it was okay. made up. In I that mean, case, mine was better, the, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> the winner of this week's incredible Factapalooza is 
Helen O'Hara, well done. Yay. Well done, everybody. Thank you. Well done. But mainly, well done, Helen. Well um, done, Helen. Uh, but yeah, but well done, Brett, for even, you know, because you, you, you might have, you could have just sacked that off, you know, you, you could have just, you know, just gone your own way. Um, but what we're going to do now is we're going we're gonna to head straight into some listeners' questions. We are taking more questions. We're stocking up on listener questions, and we have three this week. First one comes from a, a noted screenwriter. Writer of the film Grabbers, which if you haven't seen is a whole lot of fun, mm-hmm. Kevin Lehane, and he says, first time questioner, long time reader, if studios all release their films online, which isn't exactly happening yet, will live tweeting be acceptable under the current circumstances? Will spoilers become day and date like films? Discuss. No. I think, no. No. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> moving on. To the, <laughs> moving rapidly on to the next question. <laughs> this comes from. <laughs> no, but I, think, I, I just don't think. I think if you're watching a film, especially for a new one for the first time, I think you should be trying to watch the film. And I know we mm. all second screen sometimes, but I just don't think it's something to boast about. Um, no. And I think, and I think it is for second viewings onwards, because quite frankly, you don't know if you're if you're going to have anything interesting to say the first time you watch something. You should be watching it and then deciding what your jokes are, mm-hmm. and then hopefully coming back with some next time. Yeah, I think. Fully agreed, uh, Brett. Where do you stand on this this issue as, as someone who actually has skin in the game? I I I don't think anyone should do anything when they're watching a film. They should turn mm. off the lights, turn up the sound, turn off their phones. Don't talk to anyone. Get rid of everyone. Just watch the film. And if you're doing anything else, I hate you. <laughs> At least you're non-judgmental about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, each to their own. <laughs> if I find you watching anything or doing anything else, I will kill you. Yeah. I will beat you to death with your own arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in a nice way. Yeah, 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 yeah in a loving way. Uh, and Jimbo, do you care about this? Um, I, I believe one should not multitask. Mainly because I'm genetically incapable of doing it um no i i i have on occasion when i have not been enjoying something but have been forced to watch it picked up my phone and gone onto twitter but i do find it quite difficult like we did a last week's uh, empire movie night um was uh, groundhog day and uh, we did a sort of live tweet along for that and i must say having to live tweet along to it meant i missed almost all of the film because i was too busy talking to people on twitter uh and then i felt oh shit i should probably go back and rewatch that now because i missed tons of it so um you know I, i'm saying yes focus turn off the lights exactly as brett says kill your neighbors make everyone yeah you know, honestly i think that's thanos's point is that he really just wanted to watch a film in peace okay so, again, snap we've had this conversation and Thanos wasn't right. Like, Thanos is the bad guy, and I really hope that one day you realise this, okay? The hero of Avengers Infinity War. We can all agree. Oh the hero we need and the hero we deserve. The hero I mean, we actually, have right now. Yeah. The, yeah, the hero we deserve is arguable. But, well, but, you know, I'll give you protagonist of Infinity War, okay? And then we'll just agree yeah. to disagree. Um, to be honest, I wasn't listening most of that because I was multitasking uh, during it, but uh, I'm sure that it was just the usual, usual pile of nonsense. Uh, but... Moving swiftly on to the next question. This comes from at writingfreak88. I like this question. This is a good question. Life currently feels like a bottle episode. I don't know what you mean. Any bottle films you can recommend? Now, in case you don't know what a bottle episode is, it is an episode of a TV show, as as they have on the Pilot TV podcast. They discuss it every week on the Pilot TV podcast. Please and, don't uh, encourage Funnily me. you should mention that, Chris. That's actually this week's question on the Pilot really? TV podcast. Is yes. it from Ad Riding Freak 88? It might well be. It Hucky might well hell. be. We're going through um, bottle episodes on that. So bottle episodes are, are shows that take place entirely in one location. And in fact, there's a, a bottle episode of Community 
in which they they draw attention to the fact that there are bottle episodes because it's so a community. Clever. It was very meta, uh, but we're not talking about TV shows. That's the, the preserve of the pilot TV podcast available every Monday. Uh, we're talking about films. So, bottle mm. ep- bottle films go. Yeah, well, so Writing Freak 88 actually gave us the example of 12 Angry Men, which is probably the right answer in terms of the best, or one of the right answers in terms of the best. Um, I am partial to, or I remember liking the the one time I saw it, Buried, um, if you remember the... Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, um, Buried Alive film, so that's in a box. Um, with a trouser snake. Um, it was pretty scary. I'm interested, though, in what we count as a single location because um, I was looking up some list of these to kind of remind me, myself of, you know, which films there have been. And somebody suggested All is Lost, which, uh, okay, yeah. on one hand, mm. you're on a boat the whole time, but on the other hand, mm-hmm. the boat travels like 1,500 <laughs> miles. So does that really count as a bottle movie? I guess it's like a, a message in a bottle movie. Yeah. Message in a bottle. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Do we have to pay Sting royalties now? No, because that was yes, unrecognizable. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that? Um, mm. That's a great. That's a great one. All is lost yeah. is a fantastic film. Mm, really good um, movie. And Re- Bobby Redford should have been nominated for the Oscar for that. Uh, Amen. In my humble opinion. Uh, yeah, I'm going to accept that. Absolutely. One location doesn't matter. Yeah. The location self well, moves because Cube, right? Cube is. Oh, yes. that's I was going to put Cube. You Cube is good. Uh, I love that film so much. Vincenzo Natale's Cube. Um, yes, the cubes, the individual cubes do move, and they go through many different cubes. But mm. it's yeah. But they're they're like mini cubes within like a big cube. They're like in that's a Rubik's right. cube of cubes. Yeah, many, many, many cubes. Such a good mm, So film. many cubes. Um, but but if all is lost qualifies, then Locke will qualify as well. Locke qualifies, yeah. Yeah, that qualifies. Um, I um, I picked uh, Frozen. Have you ever seen Frozen? Not Frozen, the other Frozen. Oh, yes. the one on the ski, on lift. ski lift. Yeah. That's a good call. That's Let a cracking. That's a cracking one. That's the uh, Adam Green movie. Adam if Green, you, if yeah. you've never seen it. It's yeah, also got a, s- a scene in it that I think has haunted me for my entire life and I think is one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in a film is in Frozen. Which is? Shout out to Frozen. Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, is um, they're stuck up this ski lift and one of them, like they're so desperate, how are they going to get off it? One of them's like, well, maybe if I jump, it'll be all right. It's not that high. And he mm. jumps, and mm. then you see his legs like, oh, God, I don't even... It's horrible. Oh. It's really horrible. Yeah, yeah. Great film, though. Really, good really film. good film. Horrible. It's weird, like, someone else recommended that the other day. Someone else was talking about that on Twitter and how how good it is and how it's one of the best films at evoking the feeling of of cold. Yeah. And how, mm. That's really tricky to do, and uh, the reason that they managed to actually evoke that so accurately is because they actually shot it on a ski lift. Yeah, it's real, that. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they left him up there. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. It's also the reason why um, the thing, which I'm going to claim as a single location movie, mm. because Correct. I have to, yeah, I have to crowbar it into every single. Uh, question like this, along with Evil Dead 2 and Event Horizon. Spoiler alert, they're coming. Um, <laughs> uh, it's why the thing, it feels so cold as well, because they shot it, pretty much shot it up a glacier as well. Mm. So uh, wow. the, you know, the, the, the entire cast nearly died in an accident on the way up there <laughs> because the roads were so slippy. So everything about that is is real. The, the, 
if I remember rightly, there's an incredible story about how their cameras kept freezing because it was so cold, and oh, outside yeah. was actually warmer than it was inside for whatever reason, whatever whatever happened there. But the uh, the, the thing is a is a is a fantastic single location movie, not claustrophobic in the way that Twelve Angry Men mm. is necessarily, mm. or Buried is certainly, uh, or but. I think it. I think it works. Hitchcock did a whole bunch as well. Rope yeah. is a yeah. mm-hmm. a one Rear location window. movie. Rear window. Rear window. Lifeboat. Mm. Lifeboat. Yeah. Dead calm. Then can we have dead calm? Oh. Uh, although can. there's two boats. Two boats. Oh. Two boats. One. Oh, I don't know technicalities. Mm. I don't know, I'd throw out something like the Breakfast Club as a great bottle bottle movie. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast Club. That's not a bad shot. They were they were on the school campus the mm. whole time. Yeah. And then technically, I'm saying Reservoir Dogs. Although there are sequences sort of flashback sequences that take place outside of the warehouse. I'm going with Reservoir Dogs. And for the same reason, that Hateful Eight is almost right because it mainly takes place in the haberdashery, but there are, of course, sequences outside. Yeah. No, Reservoir Dogs has got multiple locations. Multiple locations. Well, it's primarily, it's principally in one location. Yeah. Yes, you have the, yeah, you've got the restaurant, you've got him in the toilet and the flashback sequence, you've got the post-heist in the car sequences. Uh, yeah, there are other bits. You got them walking down the street. All right, it's rubbish. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it back. All right, Thanos was wrong. <laughs> He'll never admit that. All right, He'll all right, never all right. Admit that. I raise you phone booth. Nice. Yeah, I liked the phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, You're he's right. laughing. We've mentioned some of the best films ever made. And you've just, right. <laughs> <laughs> I raise you phone booth. I will put phone booth on the table and I will defend yeah. it with my dying breath. Yes. Yeah. All right. Modern okay. masterpiece. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. what's that other one? Piano. What's it called? Uh, with Elijah Wood, where he has to play all the notes, otherwise he gets shot. <laughs> yes. Grand piano. Grand piano. <laughs> oh, yeah. hang on. Saw. Speaking of things like that, the first saw. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Again, it cuts away quite a bit. It does cut away, but the principal action takes place in that one place. Do you understand the question, James? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can I have moon? You can have moon. You can have moon, yes. Thank you. Uh, Or 127 hours. How about that? Although, although, I mean, he goes out in the crawler, right? So, I mean... (laughs) He's going out across the moon. It's but one moon, on Helen. Moon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like we've already got one Earth. But by that logic, then everything. Except for Event Horizon. War. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some, some of those Star Wars movies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones I'm going to throw in uh, before I mention Evil Dead 2 and Event Horizon. I mean, you know, technically speaking, Assault in Precinct 13, although people will rightly point out that there are scenes that take place outside the precinct, which mm-hmm. isn't even Precinct 13. Uh, beforehand, uh, there is the raid. Again, mm, technically, there is a couple of scenes yeah, outside the building. Uh, Devil, the M. Night Shyamalan produced. Oh, in Devil, a lift. Which takes place mm, entirely in a lift. In a lift. Um, but mainly I'm going to go for Evil Dead 2, which takes place entirely in and around, yes, a, a wooden cabin, a cabin in the woods, if you will. And I'm going to go for Event Horizon, which takes place... Um, entirely on the Event Horizon, except it doesn't. It, well, it takes place on the Lewis and Clark. Second, so yeah, that's disqualified. They go to the second ship, so... Too well, I had to hoist to myself on my own batard. So <laughs> this shit is fucked. <laughs> this, this question is fucked. Um, uh, Jimbo, you have mentioned Die Hard. I see, I didn't, well, you've got the airport, you've got the drive to the Nakatomi Plaza, it takes place inside and outside. I'm not sure mm-hmm. Die Hard really counts, although Die Hard is the correct answer to really any question about movies, so <laughs> maybe we should just put it in because of that. 
Yeah, it's true. It is very, very true. All right. Any more for any more uh, before I move on? You happy with those? Oh, I think those are good. Oh, those are good. That. No right. one needs to okay. talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane. I think we can move on. Uh, oh, good that show. was, although, I mean, it's pretty good. Oh, I know. Oh, wait, 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 one. Free Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Whitney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, thinking, they go outside at one point. Where has, thinking, so. Chris is desperately trying to think, does it go outside? It does go outside. It starts outside, then goes inside. But yes, Helen is correct. Free Fire. Indeed. Well done. And uh, uh, the MCU should do one. Yeah. They should do one, yeah. You know, I mean, just, look, we keep talking about how we want to see like a low-budget MCU film where they just, you know, sit around and have dinner like or something. A, a remake of The Room, but with like Thanos and Nebula. Um, or 12 oh. Angry Avengers. <laughs> yes. Definitely, that would be amazing. Yeah, make that happen. Make that happen, Kevin Feige. Let's move on to the last question this week, which comes from at DT Heslop. These are all on Twitter, by the way. And he asks, what are the best video calls slash conferences in movies? <laughs> How literal are we being with video calls? Are we saying any kind of proxy meeting? So can we use surrogates? Or are you talking about, like, are you thinking Star Wars? Are you thinking, Star Wars like, as well. Help me, Wan Kenobi. Help me, Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Uh, also, or, the well, way that's that... a recorded message. Like, yeah. I'm it's a voice right. now, isn't it? How about when Kiadi Mundi beams <laughs> into the Jedi Council chamber? <laughs> That's pretty good conferencing. That's mm. pretty good. Like if we did this, if we appeared as holograms at our desks in the Empire yeah. office, I'm saying this would be a lot more fun. <laughs> that would be, it would be. Yeah. You just like trousers. saying Kiadi Mundi. Kiadi like, Mundi. It is. Kiadi Mundi. He's amazing. Played, of course, by Jimbo. Silas Carson. There you go. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Just um, testing, see if you were slacking a little bit, but you're, you're, you're good. But, I mean, outside of holograms, I think it might be Searching, which is the uh, John Cho oh, movie where he is a, a father searching for his, as the name suggests, for his missing daughter. And um, the entire thing is basically seen through her laptop. So he's like looking through for clues. He's conferencing with people. He's talking to police. He's talking to her friends. He's trying to find out what could have possibly happened. And it's basically all done through... A laptop screen, but it's done very, very well indeed, I think. There have been a couple of others unfriended that have tried to then. Unfriended yeah. and yep, yep, yep. dark web. Yeah, I think I think searching's better than those, but very searching much is in the same. Yeah. Isn't searching also a bottle film? Yeah. Um well no. I think not because doesn't no? he eventually I mean spoilers, but there there are he does bits leave the house. People are travelling. Okay. Yeah. Do we go with him? I can't remember. Yeah. You get it like do, his uh GPS moves about and stuff, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I stand corrected. Uh, Brett, do you have any any uh, suggestions for this this question? Uh, I struggled with this one because, but then I thought, if we're just talking phone stuff, my favourite uh, bit of phone technology is in the film Personal. Sh- is it Personal? Sh- yeah, Personal Shopper when uh, she's on. Uh, yes. Kirsten Stewart's on the on the train. And she's getting texts and she misses some because her signal goes. And then when her signal comes back, she gets a series of texts that are like, I want to come and see you. But they all come at once. And then it's like, I'm outside your house. I'm at the door. That's fucking great. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty, that's pretty creepy. Um, uh, There is, it's not in a film, therefore, but I am going to mention there's a fantastic hologram joke in, Season one of Silicon Valley, 
where the one of the billionaires, uh, I can't remember which one, I'm so sorry, uh, is trying to appear to some of his investors and some of his fellow staff via hologram and it goes horribly wrong and he starts abusing his his lackeys off camera, so to speak. Uh, it's very, very funny. And it breaks down, it keeps freezing every every now and again. So we know what that feels like because people keep disappearing from this, <laughs> this week's recording. They just, suddenly they're there and then they're not. James looks frozen right now, for example. I can't tell whether he's just being really creepy and weird <laughs> or whether, he, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's moved again. Um, but I, I'm going to say uh, Airplane 2, the sequel, has, for my money, one of the greatest gags of all time, which is when they go to the the base on the moon, we cut to the base on the moon, and um, it's the introduction of William Shatner's character. Yeah. And this uh, this underling on the on the moon on the moon base goes up to this video screen, presses the video screen, and Shatner turns around, appears in the video screen, and turns around like he's in Star Trek, and they have a conversation through the video screen, and then at the end of the conversation, Shatner opens the door that he's been standing behind the entire time and uh, uh, walks out into the scene and they continue as if nothing's happened. It's absolutely phenomenal side gag, uh, which is made all the more astonishing given that none of the uh, the original people who worked on Airplane worked in that film. None of the, uh, no, David Sucker, Jerry Sucker, Jim Abrahams. They didn't do it. It was written and directed by a Canadian writer called Ken Finkelman, who... Um, in that same year, I discovered this the other week because I rewatched Airplane 2 and I went down a rabbit hole. I was like, who wrote this? Because it's actually pretty funny, Airplane 2. It's it's much better than it had any right to be. And I knew that uh, Sucker, Abraham Sucker didn't work on it. It's like, who? I never knew who wrote and directed it, even though you know I've seen it all these years. Ken Finkelman, uh, Canadian writer. And it was his first movie as a director. And that summer as well, he wrote Grease 2. <gasps> so last One of my summer... Really? What a guy. Really? What so the summer of nineteen eighty two, Ken Finkelman came out of nowhere to be to be recruited by Paramount Pictures to write both movies. And uh, both are sequels that flopped at the time, but which have had a critical uh, and cultural renaissance as well. And I don't know anything about this guy. I can't find any information about him. He did a TV show in Canada for a few years, uh, but seems to have retired and just fallen off the face of the earth, as far as I can tell. But mm. uh but wow. yeah, Ken Finkelman, wow. Airplane 2. That's my answer. I'm surprised okay. no one's mentioned Natasha's conference call in Endgame. Natasha. Oh, the one where she has all the different people. Mm. Mm. That, oh, yeah. It's video conferencing. It is it's video better than our video conference. I mean, she's not using Microsoft <laughs> Teams, I can fucking tell you that. But uh, <laughs> but it's pretty decent. It's pretty yeah. decent. And it's pretty, like, a good connection as well, considering that several of them, at least, are several other galaxies away. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And none of them at any point go, um, so I'm just going to try and send you this file. Hang on, where's the button? Where's Hang screen on, sharing? I can't do screen sharing. Have I, have I just... So you're on mute. <laughs> and then the file's coming over to you now. A bit like that. And then there's someone who doesn't, you know, think they've turned the camera off and then they start wanking. You That's know, rocket. it's usual stuff. Anyway. <laughs> That's Rocket. He's having a little <laughs> little furry poke around. Um, oh, <laughs> on that bombshell, uh, that is it for our listener questions this week. As ever, if you want to have your question read out in the Emperor podcast, and why the hell wouldn't you? Uh, you can get in touch with us via a number of methods. Twitter's the best way, probably. Uh, wait for me to send out a panicked alert every Thursday, or you can send me DMs, or you can just reply to uh, any tweet with a question, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll stockpile them for future use, uh, if they're good, of course. Uh, so it's at Empire Magazine, and use the hashtag 
Empire Podcast, and I'm at Chris Hewitt, of course, on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook, but no one cares about that. And then we're on email as well, podcast at empireonline.co. All right, so... One other thing we're doing, one other thing we're introducing into the show is, uh, because obviously this has had a huge impact on the movie industry, it's had a huge impact on the cinema industry uh, as well, and we at Empire have launched an initiative called Support Our Cinemas, hashtag Support Our Cinemas, and uh, we are trying to highlight ways that you can support cinemas both here and abroad uh, and help them out during this time of crisis. A lot of independent cinemas in particular uh, are going to have no funding whatsoever over the, the coming weeks and hope, well, hopefully it's not months, but it may well be. Uh, so a few people got in touch with me via DM. Check out the hashtag as well and check out the Empire Magazine uh, Twitter feed also to see more details of how you can support specific cinemas. But uh, some people got in touch with me and I'm going to give them shouts out now. Uh, Peter Unwild on Twitter said, can you give a shout out to the team at screenmachine.co.uk because they've had to stop touring and they do an amazing job of connecting with rural communities across Scotland and as a service we're going to miss. So go to screenmachine.co.uk and guys, if you do uh, hear your cinema or you want your cinema to be uh, read out in the show and there's ways that people can support you financially if they can make donations you know paypal or whatever it is then do let us know if there's ways that we could do that as well so that's screenmachine.co.uk uh then at hendia tetris said could you give a shout out to a non-british cinema chain of course this is a global thing uh berlin's finest and dearest movie theater group york cinemas at york y-o-r-c-k underscore Kinos, K-I-N-O-S, had the shutdown for the time being and kindly gave away their leftover popcorn and handed out free movie subscriptions for their subscribed viewers, which is fantastic. Uh, I have a movie subscription. It is awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. They continue to run their fantastic social media presence, but could really use some additional love and purchases of gift vouchers. That's a big thing to help them get through these trying times. Thank you very much and keep potting. Yes, indeed. Uh, We also want to give a shout out to... Uh, the staff have been affected by the layoffs. We're not sure what the situation is totally at the moment in terms of Cineworld and Picture House. Uh, if you lost your job as a result of that, uh, which all of which happened after last week's recording, then our hearts go out to you. We did a lot of shows last year at Picture House cinemas around the country as part of our mini UK tour, the Cameo in Edinburgh, Fact in Liverpool, uh, Dukes of Comedia down in Brighton as well, City Screen down in York as well, down in York, up in York. So our hearts go out to those, you guys as well. If there's anything we can do on the podcast, then do let us know. Uh, and then there's TynesideCinema.co.uk, TynesideCinema.co.uk, uh, and they have also had to close their doors, as you might expect. And uh, they are asking people to support and to donate things and uh, to help them raise some funds to get through these, these troubling times. Uh, so if you wish to have us call you out on the show not in a bad terrible way uh, but in a good support these people kind of way then do get in touch with me my DMs are always open for such things uh, no dick pics please damn it dick pics uh, yeah James is right out for dick pics um, Brent yes what about yourself I mean how, how has it affected you you're, you're a busy guy you're, you're podcasting you've got Soulmates which is the anthology series that you've that you've co-written and co-created that's so what's happening with that you've got the the nan movie that you've that you've written well, so what's, all what's the, uh, the soulmate show for amc we were we picture locked everything so we were so nearly finished when we all went into lockdown so now we're doing we're on like the very last bits like the grade 
and the sound mix is basically all we've got left on four episodes, which we are trying to do remotely, which is really annoying. But we are very lucky. We're very grateful <laughs> that we yeah. got, and we and we we are lucky as well because we were. I know a lot of shows and a lot of stuff that weren't finished, weren't finished filming, and they're sort of really screwed. So we were very lucky to be as far along as we were, and I think we will make our. Uh, delivery date and everything I think it will all be fine we're very very close uh, and the same with the the Nan movie is we're the only thing with the Nan movie is it it was meant to come out in June and so now yeah. I don't think there will be cinemas in June for it to be out in <laughs> There will, but there'll just be empty shells and you may not have a finished film to show, but yeah. otherwise, do you fancy doing a Q&A? We'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll, sure. we'll, we'll totally do it. Sure, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's just... Uh, it's tricky times for everyone, isn't it? Mm. But we're making it, everything work from just like we're doing this podcast, just with... I did have a um, VFX Skype meeting with 30 people, just 30 little dots on a on a screen which is mad and whenever anyone makes a noise their face becomes big <laughs> so everyone's just be trying to be still because if someone goes <clears throat> it goes bang to their face and then away again and you're like sorry no sorry and every time you say sorry it comes back on your face <laughs> oh. and of course being British you're going to be doing that a lot yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry for making it sorry for that's it sorry um, yeah oh man that's 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 not good. That's not good. But uh, but it's tremendously exciting. That, you know the Soulmates uh, show, which is was, when when is it due to air? And, so and I believe. Uh, what do you want to know? When's it on or what? Or what? When's it on? Then just what? What is it? Just tell what me everything it? about it. It's a show that I co-created and co-wrote with William Bridges, who we also wrote Super Bob, and uh, it is an anthology show. So six hours each, different but all set in the world where science has found physical evidence of the human soul. So now there is a test you can take to find your soulmate. Uh, and so oh. it's set in the world where the soulmate test now exists. And each story is a different, different people, different, different story, but all in that world and how it has affected the world. So That's the first Tinder episode quite complicated. is a, Yeah, it makes Tinder sort of, uh, what's the word? Absolute, dissolute, dead. <laughs> obsolete. Obsolete. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, that sounds dreamy. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's good. So basically, it's good if you're a single person in this soulmate test, but if you're married and have been married for 15 years and suddenly this test comes along that tells you, it can tell you who your soulmate is. Do you want to know? Do you want to, do you assume it's your wife, your husband? Oh, do you want to take that test? Yikes. Oh my God. Yikes. So you guys must have had a lot of fun coming up with the different scenarios for this. Yeah. You bastards. <laughs> I think the aim of it is uh, a lot of people are going to have a lot of arguments. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of couples are going to be like, well, I'm your soulmate, right? Obviously, I'm your soulmate. What? Why are you, why are you pausing? Obviously, I'm your soulmate. Don't uh, deflect. Answer the question, yeah. Darren. <laughs> Who's your soulmate if not me? It's just, I'm just saying, statistically, it's unlikely you're my soulmate. We met, you know, you live on the same road as me. It just seems, just seems too coincidental. Well, the good thing is I know exactly who my soulmate is. It's me, um, isn't it, Chris? It is not you, James. Uh, it's sadly, Nick. Sadly, it is not my, my wonderful, beautiful wife either. It is this man. It is oh, Jürgen Nord Klopp. There Make he is. Him stop. Look at him. Just, uh, that's look, nice. what a guy. What that's a guy. That's very nice. 
And the thing is, Follow would have, yeah, if, if, <laughs> if it turned out that Jürgen and I were soulmates, Follow would just go, you know what? You've, yeah, go ahead. Knock yourself out. You've earned it. Go, go, for, it. go for it. Run to him. Hells <laughs> uh, Bells, do you, do you think you've got a soulmate? Who's your soulmate? Uh, which, honestly, which, which Winchester is it? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I do on the current evidence. I'm afraid. So mine's no. Thanos. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know that about you, James. Yeah, I we all know that. that about you. Yeah, yeah. If you fancy being Helen's soulmate, then do get in touch with us on, on Twitter. Uh, hashtag Helen's soulmate. Uh, oh, good lord. <laughs> Uh, and we'll get, we'll get Brett back in the podcast. Uh, obviously, there's pilot TV podcast as well. Whenever Soulmates hits the, uh, yes. the, the small screen, uh, because you know we can we can dig into it a little bit more in terms of the different uh, variations of Soulmate mm-hmm. and the, the, the different episodes that are thrown up. But uh, so you've, you've got that. You're incredibly busy. I mean, you've got so the, the Nan movie as well. In case people don't know what this is, what what is the Nan movie? Uh, so yeah, so I first so in Super Bob, which is the film that you were always very very lovely about. Uh, that's where I met Catherine Tate because she played my boss in it, and uh, and then ever since then we've written things together and we co-wrote the Nan TV show, and the live show, and then uh, we've always and then it was just always one day we should make a Nan film, and then we came up with this idea, which is basically... I keep thinking, because I haven't talked about it, this is the first time I've talked about it publicly, uh, mm-hmm. but it's basically the straight story meets It's a Wonderful Life. That's the... Souls. That's <laughs> the, the souls. <laughs> it's a road trip. So basically Nan's sister is ill and dying, and so she oh. has to go to see her, but she doesn't talk to her anymore, she hates her. And <laughs> along the way, along the way, they have adventures, but along the way, there's f- flashbacks and we discover the story of Nan's life. And basically the pitch was, uh, the story is, how come Nan is such a cut? Bangly bang. And, like, that's the story. <laughs> you, you see her, because <laughs> she wasn't always, and you learn along the way <laughs> what made her such a cut. Bangly bang. <laughs> So Sorry to give you more banged. links today, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, so it's is got- a tagline you will believe a nan can come. Bangly banged, is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's quite, uh, it's quite ambitious, and it's quite, um, hopefully, it's quite emotional and and whatnot within all the fart jokes and everything else. Um, but yeah, and it's like big. I mean, we really went for it. Like you know, quite a lot of it is set in World War Two and. You know, it's not, uh, I think it's, I hope it is a lot more than people are expecting from what they might think a mm. Nan movie would be. Absolutely. It's, it's not set in a flat. It is not a bottle film. <laughs> <laughs> Nor yeah, does it have, it. we had a couple of rules, like it also doesn't have any celebrity cameos. It's not like that. There's okay. no like, are you, are you in it or are you, are you, are you not in I'm it? I'm not in it, no. Okay. I was making Soulmates at the same time, so. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yes. So awesome. this is the first time you talked about the film. Um, are you worried in case you signed a, a NAN disclosure? Yeah, agreement? God. Oh. I am. Wow. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, imagine, imagine basing an entire question on a pun. That's, yeah, uh, that's the only reason you, you got me on this that's podcast. That's next level it? christening, that's what that is. <laughs> that was this is it. where I live. Welcome <laughs> to my world. You came up with that a month ago. You've been chasing me. I need to get him on just so I can... <laughs> Okay, well, I'll, yeah, I'll pretend there's some readers' questions. It's been an elaborate questions. series of, of, you know, tricks to try and get you on the podcast. Yeah. Just so I could ask you that one question. I love um, it. 
and I've done it now, and I've got nothing else to live for. So that's that's all good. <laughs> so you mentioned Super Bob Blair, and yeah. Super Bob is a film that I I, I love, as you know, and yeah. it's fantastic. Uh, lo-fi British superhero film has one of the great superhero moments in it, lovely romantic moment I, I, I don't want to spoil um, was it your first foray into film really? Uh, yeah, it that, was, it, was it was the first sort of I'd done a couple of little parts in things before that but that was you know that was the big bold one can I say this on the podcast? I bloody am going to say it I've said it to you I've said it mm-hmm. in Q&A's but I've never said it to the big public we made this film, Super Bob. It was a real labour of love, you know, very little money, etc., etc. Took us five years. And one day, uh, I was on the phone to the director, John Drever, and I came back to my house, and I've been a lifelong Empire subscriber. And the Empire magazine was in my doorway, like in the like, I'd just come through the post. And I was on the phone to John, and I was like, "Fuck, Empire's here. They might have reviewed it." And he was like, "Open it, open it now." And I was like, "What if it's shit though? What if it like? Do we want to know? I don't know if I want to know." And we opened the magazine and Chris Hewitt had given us four stars and we jumped around. It, tell, it was exactly like that moment in that thing you do when they first hear their song on the radio played. Yeah. And then you remembered fucking... Attack of the Clones and you were like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, one yeah. day in many years time, I hope he tricks me onto his podcast so he can make a, a very simple pun about the film that... Fucking hell! That was an incredible pun. It took my team, my, my team of writers, four weeks to come up with that pun. Unbelievable! No, uh, no it was very well lovely. You were always uh, lovely about it. Appreciate it, Brett. Are and, you? And you're likewise lovely about me. My being lovely about that, Brett. Are you, or have you historically been a Hoovian? Uh, I. Uh, I, I <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> I, it's fine. I, I think I it's rubbish. I You're on safe ground. <laughs> I'm not. An, I'm not an obsessive, but I did watch from 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 Christopher Eccleston on, onwards. I did yep. watch all of them. I think it's brilliant. Oh, okay, and I was going to say, I think one of the great bottle episodes, one of the great pieces of writing ever, is is a Doctor Who episode called Midnight. Which is a bottle episode. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? Fuck I don't think I have. I, I can't get on with Doctor Who. I'll be honest with you. Try I've tried one. many times. I get a lot of shit for this on the pilot podcast, but I can't. I just can't. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. At, at, its, at its best, it's brilliant. And yeah. It isn't always at its best. Which one is Midnight? Which Doctor was that? Uh, David oh, Tennant. Oh, it's a David Tennant so, episode, so, so how, it's obviously good. How did you feel yeah. about <laughs> getting involved in that, like the world of Who? Uh, well, I will tell you this. It was. I don't like uh, actors. <laughs> Full stop. Fair enough. That's <laughs> entirely fair. And, and I always think, anytime I hear like an actor like complain about how hard their job was, I'm always like, you are the luckiest... Bangly bang. In the, like, there is no luckier job than being an actor. I can't think of a job that is more like... You're treated like a fucking king. You get brought tea every day. You get picked up from your house. What was hard about it? And that's why I got really annoyed with The Revenant. Is so everyone just going like, oh, we were working so hard. I was like, why are you working really hard where you're in the cold and then having 300, you know, forget it. You're very lucky. Having said all of that, Doctor Who is the hardest acting job I ever did. <laughs> because, A, because part of me was like, oh my God, I'm finally on Doctor Who. And B, the scripts are so hard to learn because you're talking, you know, for want of a better word, absolute nonsense. <laughs> you're talking, 
you know, I was this ship's doctor and I had these like nine page monologues, but none of the words were normal English. So they're really hard to learn because you're like, I don't know what this, you know, I'm having to learn new words. And they're real sticklers on Doctor Who that you say it word for word, like you can't miss a word. And so I did like this nine page monologue on the first day. And at the end of this, I'd like got through it. And the script supervisor came over to me and she said, you said um, an instead of the on page eight, we need to go again. And I was like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> uh, but it was very cool to do it. It was very cool. And I love Jodie, I've worked with Jodie before. And um, yeah. I love her. So it was really fun and she's so, uh, it is really cool when you're like literally on a spaceship and you're like, I can't fucking believe this. It was brilliant. I will but say, really I think she's great like we reviewed the first of her Doctor Who episodes yeah, uh, on Pilot and she's very very good in that role especially yeah. since obviously all the internet trolls were being bellends about it but uh, but no I oh, thought no, she was great brilliant. I really did um, did you see her little video this week yeah I love uh, for it for people in lockdown absolutely charming and incredibly helpful I think especially to little kids so oh, um, yeah. so yeah if you haven't seen that yet check it out she's it's also like Doctor really Who, good at being She's really taken on the responsibility of being the doctor, as in mm. it isn't just an acting job. You are sort of yeah. a mm. spokesperson for good and you have to be, you know, she's just very generous with it all. We've never had her on the podcast, have we? We should, we should get her on. Brett, call her up. <laughs> I'm assuming. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> patch her in. Just, yeah, just, yeah, patch her in. Um, so one last thing I wanted to ask you um, before we move on to, to talk about movie news is obviously you've got this incredible podcast as well, Films to be Buried With. Mm-hmm with Brett Goldstein, which is, I have to say that title, Brett, it's a bit mm. unwieldy. There's two widths immediately following each other. What's going on with that? Yeah, well, that mean everyone on the podcast is going to be buried with not only the film of their choice, but oh, also so with me. You. <laughs> oh my God, this is so fluid. Yeah. Films to be buried with, with Brett Goldstein. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah never thought, it's because I never say the with Brett Goldstein because I am Brett Goldstein. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't know everyone, everyone coming on I the mean, show is so, that's why they always look so nervous. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to climb into you, a box with them. If you bought your your plot in the cemetery already, you might want to extend a little yeah. bit. Yeah, give them a bit of space. No, you're getting in with me. Oh wow! <laughs> this changes you, everything. Would you go like feet to head? To, uh, you so mean you have to do? Yeah. What's, Thank you. Coffin That's etiquette. That's phrase. Feet to head. Can you go feet to head? Please to make my speaking English good. <laughs> oh, you're such a kabangli band. <laughs> and, um, uh, would you would you do that? Because that means you would need like no way. Because you're you're a tall guy. That would be a 13 feet long coffin. Or would you have more spacious? Oh, white widey coffin. Would you be? Oh yeah, I'd go widey widey. Or... I didn't know I had that option. That's cool. Yeah, I'd go widey widey. <laughs> face to face whitey whitey and if you get too much it's like being in lockdown at the moment yeah pretty much pretty much uh, do corpses have to observe the, the six foot rule I guess they do I mean, yes. just now we're naturally. building these whitey whitey coffins yeah <laughs> six feet under as oh. opposed to across but it's a fantastic podcast and I'm not just saying that thank you and you were brilliant on it. on it yeah oh, oh, enough of the mutual appreciation okay. um but it's a fantastic, fantastic podcast. In case people don't know what it is, Brett invites incredible guests on. I mean, I am at the fucking <laughs> low rung of the ladder in terms of the guests you've had. You've had incredible people on. 
Who, who are some of the people you've had on over the, over the couple of years you've done? I've had Ricky Gervais, I've had Catherine Ryan, I have all the comedians. I've had James Acaster, I have Nish Kumar on the regular. I've had uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith, that was a great one. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Ruben Fleischer who made uh, Venom and Zombieland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, loads of people. You've had Bill so Lawrence, Bill Jamil Lawrence, Jamil. Jamila Jamil, January Jones, Ed Gamble. Again, can you call any of these people up and get them to come on our show? <laughs> They'd all do it. Every, anyone would, they'd all do it. Everyone's so desperate yeah. to do yeah, something pretty, in this lockdown. I don't think you would have a problem. I've had a lot of conversations. I've, I've done a lot of phoners since we went into lockdown and pretty much everyone is just like, yeah, I've got loads of time. I spoke yeah, to yeah. a, a, ma- a major director the other call day. Me. Yeah, please. <laughs> and it's just like, we were meant to have 20 minutes and he just called me direct, which is very, very rare. You usually have sort of publicists patching you through. And he's just like, yeah, I got as much time as I, I'm not doing anything. It's totally fine. So we, we, we talked for an hour about a film I did not think it was possible to talk for an hour about, but uh, oh, wow. we, we did it anyway. So yeah, it's, it, it is happening. Uh, you know, people are out there and trying to fill their time. So just, um, I'll talk to you afterwards. You just give me my number to January Jones, uh, to Bill Lawrence, whoever, and uh, okay. we'll make it happen. But okay. the conceit of the podcast is basically you've died. Oh, right. In yeah, my case, sorry. yeah. The guest in my has case, died. In a tragic, yeah, tragic wanking accident was uh, was my choice. Yeah, and um, mm. you've got you 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 have a, to choose a, a succession of films you want to be buried with. You know, it's pretty much there in the title. Um, where, where did that idea come from? It's, but you're it's, giving it's, questions, so, so it's, it's it's like, what's the first film you remember seeing? What's the film that made you cry the most? What's the film that made you laugh the most? Etc. Well, what it et cetera, is, et I don't know. I'd had that idea for a long time, and I just thought I'll give it a go. But I think the secret of it is, but I shouldn't say the secret. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say the secret in case people listen to this and then they don't want to do the show. I think the secret of it is that people... I think the reason it often ends up quite interesting is because people say more stuff than they would in a normal sort of interview because, mm. because they think they're talking about films, but really they're talking about themselves. Mm. So, for example, if you ask someone what's the film that scares you most, you're really asking them what scares you the most and what makes you cry and all of that and you end up getting it get, often can be quite sort of there are things people have said that you go like fucking hell that's deep that mm. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have said if they didn't think we were actually talking about Die Hard James yes. <laughs> hey I would absolutely be but I'd like to be buried with the like the special edition box set of Die Hard which is shaped like the Nakatomi Plaza I'd like to be clutching oh, yeah. that clutching that I in my right coffin here. Nice. Yes, Chris. You be very- when you murder me, can you throw that in the hole with me, please? <laughs> James, would you be top to toe with that, uh, or would you be? <laughs> oh, I'd, 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 I'd have it no, no, wrapped no. lovingly in my arms. <laughs> in your arse? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Chris. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, no, it's feet to head, Brett. Feet to head. We yes. got to use the correct oh, yeah, terminology. <laughs> feet to um, head. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw some questions really quickly. The questions you throw at people, um, I'm gonna throw them back at you, Brett. Real real quickly. We're gonna Oof. do a, a quick fire thing here. First film you remember seeing? God. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably something like Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I'll accept that. Okay. That's good. It's not what I had written down, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> what do you have written down? Oh, just some porn. Um, oh, the right. film that the film that made you cry. 
Finna made me cry the most. Oh, it's saving Mr. Banks. Probably. Really? Or E.T. Oh my God, there's a real, there's a real Disney vibe going on here. Or Big Fish, yeah, I can see that one. Uh, the funniest film of all time. Uh, that's my boy, Adam Sandler. Really? No. You're uh, not really saying that, are you? Because... I mean, I don't so think even Adam Sandler would say that. Uh, or your credentials. The funniest film of all time. Well, hmm, it's the th- it's probably Spinal Tap. Probably. That's a good choice. Two more. The film which scares you. Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's freaky. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a freaky one. And then finally, your favorite film. Singing in the Rain. Oh, my Christmas Carol. <laughs> hey, <laughs> they both scratch the same itch. Yeah. You went up a notch there at the end with the uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff. And uh, Brett's going to stick around for just a little bit longer because we've got some movie news to discuss. But as I, I said earlier on, there's not a lot of it and all of it's pretty much of the same stripe um, in that things have been cancelled and pushed back and whatnot. However, there is a little bit to talk about, I guess. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has gone back. Uh, mm. It was meant to open to in 1984. June. Yeah, oh, ironically. It's, back to um, it's great. It has I, I, come back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's also gone back, by the way. Oh. Uh, it's gone back to August. Now... Does that mean that they're optimistic this will be over by August? Or are they hedging their bets? Like Bond went back to November, Fast and mm. Furious 9 went, fuck it, we're going to a completely different year. Black Widow hasn't even had a date yet. Um, yeah, I, so think every, think? I think this is um, optimistic, but not perhaps completely unrealistic, depending on, it depends on how locked down we are, right? That That is the massive unknown factor here in terms of how it spreads, how many people get this, and therefore how long we have to stay in lockdown. It, it, it depends how effective it's been. So I think August is optimistic, but not wildly so, I hope. Um, and and therefore it could be possible, I guess, by then. I don't know. Um, so much depends on testing and government responses and you know everything. Um, but Wonder Woman does feel very much like it's a summer movie. Um, and it's been talked about as a summer movie. And Patty Jenkins was talking about how she didn't want it to come out last November, which was its originally scheduled release date. It was ready. It's done. Um, but she didn't want it to come out because she felt it was a summer film and it should be a summer blockbuster. And so it kind of just about still is, even though it's not the end of the summer that they wanted. And, and I think they'll be keen to keep it there if they can. But at the same time, it's a big movie and they're going to want it to be big in the cinema. So they're not going to... You know, they're not going to leave it there if there's any chance of it being a bust as a result. Interesting. You speak as if you have a great deal of knowledge. You speak almost as if you're someone who has oh, spoken to Patty Jenkins about this me? movie on a number no. of occasions. I would I, I would never. That that just doesn't seem like me at all. But I, I mean, it's it's a public record, Chris, that I did speak to her in the last issue or a couple of issues ago. Right? That's, that's, that's on right, the Helen. record. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's nothing more than that. You're not the only one who's been speaking to Patty Jenkins, though, recently. Uh, as I'm sure you noticed, she was talking about Thor The Dark World. Did you see this? Mm, so, I yeah, did, she was yeah. mentioning why she passed on doing Thor The Dark World. Uh, spoiler, she didn't like the script, uh, which seems fair. But this, this, what was I found more interesting about this was that it opened us up the conversation about what is the worst MCU movie. And for some reason on social media, they seem to narrow it down between Thor The Dark World and Iron Man 3. Which is, Madness. quite frankly, top three MCU, you know, without a shadow it's of a doubt. Top, 
It's top six. It's amazing. Yes. How is this even in a conversation about the worst MCU? Have you seen exactly. fucking Iron Man 2? Jesus Christ. Hello, Incredible Hulk calling. I mean, what the hell? I, just, I don't people? understand how, how this has happened. And I think everyone on Twitter should be killed. Everyone? I, I, <laughs> everyone involved I mean, in this conversation. That's genuinely worse than Thanos. Yeah, that I mean, is. he only yeah. went for 50%. You're, you're <laughs> upping it a little bit. Um, which is it's just which is interesting. It, it upset me profoundly. I don't understand how how this happened. Yeah, also I spent quite a bit. Thor: The Dark World is not that. It's like not that it four stars, but then again, I'll give anything four stars. <laughs> <laughs> as, as <Brett> <laughs> don't pull this back now. <laughs> <laughs> I've based my whole life on that review. Everything no, I, I enjoyed. Do. I enjoyed Thor: The Dark World and Super Bob equally. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, Thor: The Dark World no. is good. I stand by that. I enjoy Thor: The Dark so World. I. Yeah, I, Iron I Man Two and Iron Man Two and Incredible Hulk are the bottom of the MCU. Yep. I personally would put Guards, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 somewhere down there as well. I know I'm alone in that. And Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, those are like my bottom four. <laughs> well, see, I, I have I have a top, a revolving top five or six. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. all the other films are joint. <laughs> joint second. Joint until seven. we yeah. get to the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 right at the bottom. But the, the, the hate that was thrown, and this happens every single time you mention Iron Man 3, by the way, but I am glad to see that there are more and more Defenders coming out of the woodwork. No, no Chris, like the Defenders movie hasn't been made yet. Whatnot. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> but I love Iron Man 3, and um, I've probably talked about it ad infinitum, mm. but it's it's tremendous. It's the best Iron Man movie on a, on a good day with a prevailing wind behind you. It's the best MCU movie yep. because it... My idea of what that is changes every single day. But uh, Brett, you've been very silent on the MCU. What do, what do you stand on the MCU? Uh, it's all very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the opinion of someone who may work with Marvel down the line and doesn't want them to dig up this podcast three years from now. And he's like, you called Kevin Feige a clangly bang on the Empire podcast. No, I think Did they're I? great. I think they're great. And I think they do, uh, f- they're good at doing, they brought back uh, jokes, which were missing from mm. uh, Blockbuster Cinema for a long time. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. They de nullified it a little mm. bit. But um, discussion of the MCU Jimbo does lead me to uh, Crowbar in Disney Plus, which launched this week. Finally, oh, we did. have it in the UK. Uh, everyone else around the world is going, what? <laughs> what was keeping you? Uh, rights issues, apparently, uh, from, from my understanding. Uh, so it launched this week and it's got all the good stuff on there, all the Disney stuff, all the Marvel stuff, all the Pixar stuff, except not all the Marvel mm. stuff. It is missing three films from the MCU. It's missing Incredible Hulk, which is part owned by Universal, and okay. uh, the two Spider-Man movies, which are part owned by Sony. I can't put my finger on why those films haven't appeared on the Disney-owned Disney+, Plus. but perhaps you guys could shed some light on this for me. Gosh, that's just mystifying. I wonder why they're not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> what a mystery this is, says Drax in the fantastic Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <sighs> it's fine. I love Volume 2. I thought it was brilliant. It's all right. Uh, the, the, one thing, the one thing I'm really missing so far is I was really hoping that the old Star Wars nonsense from the 80s would be on there what, in, in great like The holiday special. Then. I was ho- hoping for like droids cartoon mm. for my little nephew who's obsessed with robots. Caravan of Courage. And I, I would genuinely want to watch Caravan of Courage and see if it really was that <laughs> and bad. And Battle for Endor. George Lucas's divorce movie. <laughs> 
Um, so so I was a bit disappointed. But there is really cool stuff that I've, I haven't seen in years on there. Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I genuinely I thought love was... that. Mm. Right? It's back. Um, so <laughs> X-Men the Animated Series is on Disney+. Plus. Oh, my God. Infinitive Dark Phoenix yes. saga. So, apart from the comics. So good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> apart from the one that... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's loads of great stuff in there. Um, but if you're planning to watch all 23 films in the MCU, you're going to be stymied somewhat. You're going to have to set up Sony Plus and Universal Plus huh. at the exact same time uh, and watch those. Uh, of course, one one thing that is on there, there's going to be some original, there's loads of original films. We'll be discussing one of those. We're going to be sort of parceling out the rest over the next few weeks so we actually have films to talk about. Um, but it's also The Mandalorian, the first, and again, everyone around the world's going, what the fuck? We've <laughs> yeah. seen it already. Uh, but the first two episodes of The Mandalorian are on Disney+. Plus, and this week there was some casting news mm. for The Mandalorian Season 2, which is already wrapped. So these are actors who have presumably made the show or they're going to turn up to find an empty set and they're going to be very, very disappointed. So Michael Bean... Mm has joined the cast of The Mandalorian Season 2. The great Michael Bean, Hicks from Aliens, of course. Kyle Reese from The Terminator. And then, this is a rumour still. File under rumour as things stand, but Rosario Dawson may well play Ahsoka Tano, the first time we have seen that character, uh, who is from Star Wars Rebels and uh, The Clone Wars as well, the animated series. First time we may see that character in live action. Yeah. Uh, what do we make of this? I am super here for both mm. of these because Michael Bean is, so the rumour is he'd be playing a bounty hunter, which just seems somehow right. He just has like one of those Western faces and it feels like, you know, that's a Johnny kind of Ringo. A, yeah. But it just feels like a cool piece of casting. And also he obviously has that incredible record of in sci-fi with James Cameron. So mm. I'm, I'm here for that. I, I feel like we're, we're, it's time for a bean naissance. And as for Rosario, Ahsoka Tano is such a beloved character on the cartoon yeah. shows. Like she is head and shoulders above everyone else who's been um, introduced in those. So to see her live action, and the the rumor is even further than that. The rumor is that that might then be spun off into an Ahsoka show, which would do, I yeah. suspect, very well indeed. I think it would. So yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Can't wait. <clears throat> Interesting. Brett, are you a Star Wars fan? Do you, do you, I'm do you super care here. about any of this I'm stuff? I'm super here for both of these uh, because I'm in lockdown. <laughs> I can't be anywhere else. <laughs> thing uh, is, well, you won't be able to see these until next year. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, I, I do like Star Wars, yeah. Again, I don't have... I don't know if I'm, I'm a super geek or nothing, but I go, like, you know, opening weekend at the IMAX whenever a Star Wars film comes out. That's all right. That's fine. That, that qualifies you. Uh, yeah. have, have you got Disney Plus? Are you going to watch The Mandalorian? Uh, I've oh, I've secretly seen some uh, when I've seen I've already, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen, it's very good because <laughs> you've been you've because I've been, I've been to in America. America. I've been to yeah. America. Ever heard of it? I've been to America. <laughs> uh, what's it like? Tell me because I've I've only seen the first four episodes. Uh, do you like the first four episodes? I thought they were fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing the next four. Then you'll love it. It continues to be very good. I'm really excited about seeing the rest of The Mandalorian. And if you are excited about officially seeing it, <laughs> officially, uh, not going to America like Brett did, um, you know, although, you know, work trips and all that, uh, then you can follow along with us because we're going to be doing Mandalorian spoiler specials every week. Uh, so the first two episodes are up now, so we'll be discussing those in an episode to go up 
tomorrow and then next week will be episode three and so on until the whole season is finished only eight episodes so it's quite short uh so as ever they're going to be on the spoiler special um they're going to be behind the spoiler special paywall so if you want to subscribe to that go to my twitter at chris hewitt and check my pinned tweet for details of how to subscribe to our spoiler specials and there's going to be loads of other spoiler specials happening as well as i said the marvel cinematic universe early films uh they're going to be going up as well very very soon indeed all right so just a couple of last things to talk about one's can film festival it has been canned they've got a no can do attitude mm. and they said <laughs> cancellation is our only option and it's been uh, not even pushed back they don't know when it's going to happen again yeah, it's it's a real problem. They apparently were offered the chance, according to a report I read, they were offered the chance to take out special insurance in like January uh, for COVID-related problems, yeah. and apparently didn't. Yeah. Um, which, Someone's getting some fired. Yeah, that, that <laughs> a bit of brinksmanship there, which they may well regret. So I, I hope you know, I hope they figure something out. But it does look like it's going to be a bounty for the. Um, for the autumn festivals in Venice and Toronto. Otherwise, uh, those could be in for a banner year, assuming everything is back up and running by then, fingers crossed. But yeah, that awful news for Cannes and uh, fingers crossed that we'll be back there next year, as it were. Not that we ever get to go, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, you... I, well, yeah, but I, I didn't like it very much, apart from when we did Video Diaries, <laughs> uh, in which case I loved that. But not, there's not so much the actual Cannes of it. Brett, have you ever, you ever been to, to Cannes? I have, yeah. It's mental. Have you been? Of course you have. You've all been. We have been. Yeah, I've done only a few days. I haven't done the full two yeah, weeks. Yeah, exactly. Well, what did you go for? What was what was mental about it? Uh, well, I think it's. I sort of discovered that it's like there's sort of three levels of it. There's the thing that you see on the news, which is like fancy pants premieres. But then there's a market. The middle of it is just a market mm. where they sell things like Caterpillar 4 and like... <laughs> You would just walk around stalls where they're looking for, and they never ask you what the film is about or if it's any good. They just go, what's the poster? What's the trailer? Who's in it? And hmm. if your poster for Caterpillar 4 looks cool, they go like, yeah, all right, we'll buy that for, you know, Sky, whatever. I can't think of it. Probably not Sky. Forget Sky, <laughs> but somehow <laughs> there. Someone bad. Someone bad. Yeah. And then the third layer is the is the porn uh market <laughs> which similarly has things where you go around going caterpillar four <laughs> and, and they go what's the poster what's the trailer who's in it <laughs> who's in yeah, who yeah oh. sorry <laughs> yeah it's the who's in who of the porn industry um yeah there's an there's an island just off can that our old editor who had quite lascivious tastes he used to call it porn island and um I just always imagined it like being really tatty and grubby. I, I never mm. went. I never went. Um, honest, but mm. yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting festival. But you know, I hope I hope they get their uh, their act together again. And I hope get insured next time, guys, as well. Mm. Um, and uh, the last thing to talk about is very very sad news. Um, the the wonderful director Stuart Gordon died this week at the age of seventy two, and he's best known for Reanimator. Which, but he made a load of other great films as well. But Reanimator was his calling card. He was a big noise on the the Chicago theater scene. Uh, he was an interesting guy. Uh, he had a real, really intellectual uh, bent, a bit like Wes Craven, a bit like David Cronenberg in a way. But he was also then drawn to horror films, and he adapted 
H.P. Lovecraft's Herbert West Reanimator into a film, which if you haven't seen Reanimator, it's one of the great schlocky horror films of all time and of the 1980s as well. Great performance from Jeffrey Combs, but he also made films like, <laughs> Jimbo's surely going to know this one, uh, Robot Jocks. Do you remember Robot yeah. Jocks? Yes, I loved Robot Jocks. So good. Big Robotech-type gladiatorial arena. Yeah. Loads of fun. Fortress. Do you remember Fortress? Love Fortress. Chris- Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Sorry. Christophe Lambert. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Uh, he made From Beyond, which is another freaky deaky Lovecrafty adaptation with lots of you know prosthetics and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I never had the, the pleasure, but he was a really, really smart guy. He co-wrote, and I guess co-created Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He co-wrote, he co-wrote the, the story for that. Apparently from everyone I know who uh, who's worked with him and met him, they, they say he was a great guy. Really smart, really affable, really friendly, really supportive. And uh, we're very, very sad indeed to hear of his passing. Go and watch Reanimator. All right. Mr. Brett, you've yes. got to go because you, your working day is about to begin. Yes. Thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. Uh, I feel very honoured to spend some lockdown time with anyone and you. <laughs> no, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, All right. Enjoy being mean about other people's work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will. See you soon. Cheers, man. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye. So Brett has gone into the uh, ether and he, I can't believe his working day starts as well. I interviewed a, a Hollywood screenwriter the other day and uh, they were they were like, yeah, anytime, anytime during the day is fine because I've got my Skype meeting start at 5 p.m. And I was like, oh, my God. So for like for British people in the film industry their day is now an 18 hour day i guess uh but anyway our day still pretty long this podcast is still pretty fucking long and we're going to discuss now we're going to finish off the podcast by discussing the week's new releases and holy hell there are some new releases we'll start with the one that was going to get a cinematic release uh and Mm -hmm. is now only out on digital uh hd can be found pretty much anywhere that you get your digital movies it is Fifarium, which is a mindfuck of a sci-fi movie. Last week's guest, Jesse mm. Eisenberg, stars in it alongside Image and Puts as a couple who go with a very creepy estate agent to check out their dream house, only to find that their dream house is their nightmare house because they get trapped in this neighborhood from which there is no escape. Hey, hang on a second. Fifarium is a bottle film. Jimbo, yes. talk about Fifarium. So, as you say, this is a, uh, this is a film uh, which is a young couple, Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg, going to buy their first home. Uh, this film is directed by Lorcan Finnegan, I believe based uh, stories by him as well. Um, and they are, as you say, taken by a, an estate agent to a, a sort of a development of new build lime green houses and a kind of soulless, you know, like, it's very true. Like if you look at those sort of new build housing estates, they have that kind of slightly soulless sort of energy sucking feel about them. Well, this takes this to the nth degree. The, the creepy estate agent takes them there, shows them this house. They clearly don't want this house or this horrible cookie cutter lifestyle. And yet the strange estate agent leaves them there and they discover very quickly that they cannot escape they cannot leave the development. They always come back to their apart. I swear to God, this this could have been an episode of Inside <laughs> Number Nine, if for no other reason than it's Number Nine, and they cannot get out of Number Nine. Yeah. It um, takes place inside Number Nine. It really does. It really does. And they are stuck in this place. And uh, it's not giving too much away because it's in the trailer to say that they very soon are delivered a package, and that package comes in the form of a baby, or is it? And thus 
the film. Now, I would have thought if we'd seen this under any other circumstances, I imagine my reaction to this film would have been very different to the one I had. But this film bummed me out like no film I can remember watching ever because it's very bleak. It's very it's it's not a happy film it's a very claustrophobic frustrating film and it's it's the reality they live in this neighborhood is so artificial and so horrible that you can look at it and say well the effects are terrible the cgi is awful i, I almost think that's deliberate like it has almost like a painted on feel this neighborhood so it deliberately doesn't feel where the clouds look like little balls of cotton wool you know it just doesn't feel like our world our reality and they are stuck in this place and it is absolute it's the hell of suburbia um, and this child is the hell of parenthood. I mean, you could look at this as an allegory for sort of modern life and all its uh, all its problematic trappings. But I think the problem with this film is if you are watching this film in isolation, I think it's slightly triggering because it made me it pushed me slightly over the edge. If I'm honest with you, I think Jesse Eisenberg gradually, perhaps more than Imogen Poots' character does, and this is again, this is not a spoiler. Uh, he he finds it more difficult. His his mental health, both of their mental health, deteriorates as the film goes on, as did mine while watching it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of it, frankly, I think I was beating my head against a wall and begging for a merciful death. But uh, it, the film itself is, is, you know, it's very well made. It's quite slick. It's well observed. It's an interesting concept. I think my main issue with the narrative of it, it maybe doesn't, um, not to give away any spoilers, I, I don't feel that it did enough with its storyline, with its premise. I think maybe it was slightly superficial in the way that it dealt with it. So I think that was perhaps my only my only criticism there. I thought the performances, Eisenberg and Poots, both great in this. They, they believably come undone. Um, could I recommend this film at this particular time that anyone watch? I'd have to say no. I just, for the sake of people's mental health, I just don't think watching this film is a great idea. But maybe I'm just super sensitive. Helen, no, I, did, it, did it push you in that way or not? It didn't push me in that way because I think you know, if anything else, it puts our our situation in in perspective. At least we have stuff to watch <laughs> on TV, and at least we're not you know stuck in quite the same kind of hellscape. Mm. Um, so they did have a garden though. That's true. They did have a garden. So do you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, no. I really liked it, and I, I thought the performances were really mm. great. I think you're right. I think the payoff is perhaps not quite as as much as you want it to be yeah, in a way. Agreed. But I just thought it was it was a really interesting idea done quite well. And I, I, I like the kind of metaphors of it, I think. Very bleak though. Very bleak. Oh yeah. Like yeah, it's not it's not unbleak. But then I mean that's one of the things in a situation like this, sometimes you people derive comfort from horror movies and people yeah, actually it's true. so <laughs> I think it's each to their own. So James is right. If you you know, if you're the kind of person that is going to be triggered by this, you're going to be triggered by this. Mm. But if you're the kind of person who derives comfort from thinking, well, at least I'm not in a, you know, that particular suburban hellscape, <laughs> then this could be just the thing. And if you are in a suburban hellscape, then maybe this just looks like every day to you and you'll be fine. Maybe it does. Indeed. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if, Jimbo, did you know much about the film going into it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd seen the trailer. I, you know, I, I knew what the concept was going into okay. it. Yeah, so I, I think I was reasonably well prepared for it. And there's actually quite a lot going on in the trailer. I almost think if you're going to watch the film, maybe avoid the trailer because they mm -hmm. do give away quite a lot of stuff. As is the as is the way these days. Yeah, okay, that's interesting because I, I wondered if maybe you didn't know that much going into it, and then it maybe blindsided you a little bit. But it doesn't seem to have been the case. Um, it, it's very interesting that they've they've proceeded with their release schedule for this, keeping it digital only, of course. Um, it's a good thing, I think, mm -hmm. that you know, more companies should try and release their, their films digitally. I know that Military Wives mm -hmm. is going digital uh, this week. And so, you know, it's a good thing. Keep 
keep new content coming. Disney Plus has a load of new films that launched with it, and uh, we'll be discussing those over the coming weeks uh, as well. But I just, you know, it's it is interesting to see whether the the fact that there is such an eerie parallel between this movie and our own situations right mm. now, except with certain elements taken out. That might put people off. Um, I hadn't really considered that. Feels like there's quite a lot of this going around at the moment, isn't it? You've got Vivarium, you've got the platform on Netflix. There seems to be a lot of sort of like incarceration, isolation stuff going on. Indeed. Uh, the platform, by the way, uh, is a film we're going to discuss on next week's show, which is the uh, the uh, apparently fantastic, I haven't seen it yet, uh, film on Netflix about a sort of upside-down prison um, where... Food. Have you heard about this? So apparently, it's, it mm-hmm. feels very cubey to me, oxo cubey maybe, uh, because the idea is that uh, prisoners are kind of allocated rooms in the in this prison, uh, which is a vertical prison, and the people at the top are given a feast. A feast comes into their rooms, and they have it. It goes through the room on a sort of. Um, platform on a pulley pulley system and so they have seconds to grab as much food as they possibly can uh, it goes to the next next room and then the next room and the next room so there's less and less food for people to grab but then also you get people doing things like they start spitting on the food as it comes down so that you know the people who are at the very very bottom of the of the of the the prison get the real the real scraps uh, and so it's a, it's a film that's got something on its mind, guys. Uh, we're going to be discussing it on next week's show along with a couple of the Disney plus movies. But uh, but I'm going to wrap up Favarium by saying we gave it three stars, which is, of course, a recommendation. I felt I enjoyed it. I thought it's got really some striking visuals, great performances, but I felt that it was the Inside Number 9 reference I don't think was an accidental one. I think that it is basically, it doesn't have enough story for a feature film and it might have worked better as a half-hour mm. show as part of an anthology, perhaps. Maybe something like Soulmates, who knows? Um but yeah, three stars for Fafarium. And we're going to discuss one of the Disney Plus films that's, that's on right now. And we're going to discuss Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made. Now, Helen, you're going to talk about this one because this blows my mind. Because this is the first film directed by Tom McCarthy since <laughs> Spotlight won yeah. Best Picture a couple of years ago. And his next film is a movie, a kid's film on Disney Plus that frankly I hadn't heard of. What gives? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an it's an odd choice, but I thought it was kind of delightful. So this is about an eleven year old boy, the titular Timmy Failure, um, who's played by Winslow Fegley, who is amazing. He has a, an incredible mullet and an imaginary polar bear friend who is his partner in the world's greatest detective agency, which also pretty much exists in his head. So he is he is determined that you know this is. This is really going to pay off for him. He's going to be able to support his single mother. He's played by Ophelia Loverbond. You know, everything's coming up Timmy as far as he's concerned. The problem <laughs> is, and I cannot stress this enough, Timmy is wrong about every single thing in his <laughs> life. He's super wrong about everything. Like, he takes on a case of a missing backpack. We, the audience, we get to see what's happened with the case. Timmy is completely oblivious. Timmy has no idea what's happened to the backpack. And that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Within about 10 minutes of starting this film, I was all in. I was like, I would die for Timmy. I love him. He is my favourite. Um, this is great. And I think it's, it is that weird, but not too weird, slightly self-conscious, but not twee, or not overly twee, um, kind of kids movie that I think 
kind of can can become a bit of a cult hit that can kind of echo with people because he's just so odd and so mistaken and um, all his priorities are out of whack. And it's also really funny um, and quite sweet, but without being too cloying. Good, good supporting cast as well. Craig Robinson's in there. Wallace Shawn as well. I mean, it's just... It's just kind of delightful, and I was completely charmed. I think James was maybe less so, though. I, I was less charmed than you in this. Uh, this, I didn't mind this. Like it had a kind of after-school special, a slightly sort of low-rent feel to me. And I think Timmy starts off. He's very easy to root for, but quite hard to like. I think because he delivers everything in this deliberate sort of deadpan sort of faux PI monotone. And and you're right, he's wrong about absolutely everything. It's really interesting. So these are based on a series of books by Stefan Pastis. And uh, in the books, it is literally about a boy PI kind of and his and his pet polar bear. Do you know what I mean? And they're, they're part written, part drawn. They're sort of part cartoon, a bit like the uh, the Wimpy Kid books. Um, yeah. But this takes a slightly different tack. In this, like, it does take place in his head. And I think that, like, the thread going through this is that this boy has this very vibrant, slightly deranged fantasy life and it's trying to get him to come back to reality and actually function as a real kid because his grades are slipping, he's not doing well in school because there's a slightly dark undertone which this film mm. doesn't really touch on and I almost thought like, that was a more interesting story. Oh, and no, it's, I think it's there just enough. And you're hinting the fact that, you know, where because he's clearly suffered some trauma and it's hinted that it's his father leaving that's actually caused it. Um, mm. but it. But it is mainly sort of... A sort of an exploration of him. like So there's no central... It's a detective show, but there's not really a central mystery. You know I mean, there's lots of different cases, but they're kind of incidental. They're not really that important to it. For me, what saved this, though, was total. The £1,200 imaginary, or is he? Yes. Polar bear. Yes. Uh, and uh, and I love this kind of like almost uh, sort of like slapstick physical comedy that this CGI polar bear, which looked fucking awesome as well, it does. You know, trying yeah. to eat swings, drinking out the shower there's a bit where the polar bear tries to break into a bank vault you know, it's just really really funny stuff with the bear and um, for me i think the bear was what saved it for me i really enjoyed the bear timmy i could take a leave but i'm all for the bear did enjoy craig robinson though i thought he was very good and wallace sean as well he's um, like the anti bandit here um, <laughs> yeah he's because he's the school counselor and he's i think the one who probes into kind of what's going on under the under the hood with with timmy and his you know delusions um but yeah i, I didn't love it i gave this three I also wanted to give a shout out to Kay, who plays his, his best friend, Rollo Tukas, because he has an amazing scene uh, in a sumo wrestler costume, just for that alone. Like, he's an absolute all-timer. I think all of the kids actually were really charming and weird, and they all had their own little things going on. And, you know, they felt like real kids. Um, and, you know, Timmy's just this kind of maybe neurodiverse weirdo among them. I loved mm. him. <laughs> All right. So we gave this three, right? Um, it's interesting. You look at uh, Tom McCarthy's filmography as director. So he made Spotlight. Of course, recently he won uh, that one Best Picture. Before that, he made the famously terrible Adam Sandler film, The Cobbler. And then so either side mm. of Spotlight, he has The Cobbler and Timmy Failure. Thank God this is good. Otherwise, it could have been sandwiched between The Cobbler and a load of cobblers. Uh, but he's got Stillwater, which is a, a dark adult drama with Matt Damon, which will be coming out later on this year. Fingers crossed, of course, COVID notwithstanding. So he's a really interesting director. He seems to be bouncing around a little bit. Uh, one last thing, I haven't seen the film, but uh, Winslow Fagley is an incredible name. And he is the brother mm. of Oakes Fagley, who was in Pete's Dragon mm. a couple of years ago. And their other yeah. brother is August Fagley. I mean, the, you've got to give them are the, props. Are they, are they, they the new Hemsworths? <laughs> yeah, but the Hemsworth. No, yeah, it's Chris, Liam, and Luke. This is Oaks, August, and Winslow. For the love of God. <laughs> 
Oh, I like the Winslow boy. Yeah. Mm. Um, that was a good movie. We didn't talk about that in our 99 ranking. Spoiler, there's a 1999 rankling. Rankling? There's a rankling. And, rankling. And things there's were, a rankling over the ranking. Things were rankled. Rankled? Oh, I can't speak anymore. Uh, <laughs> let's get on to the last film, which is on Apple+. Plus. Um which uh, I think I'm the only person here who has. No, Jimbo, you have. You just didn't have time to see it. I have not. Yeah. I have not. You are the only one here who is a massive banker. I am. I watched The Banker. The Banker appeared uh, unbidden, uh, almost like the U2 album. It appeared like I got a text message going, you can now watch The Banker. I was like, can I? When did- <laughs> and you can't delete it off your phone. Yes. And then, then people from Apple come around, they, they force you to sit down, they bring the clockwork orange eye device and they make you watch the banker. Uh, no, that's not how it works. I just want to clarify that. It's available for you to watch on Apple Plus uh, if you have a subscription, if you've bought a new Apple product recently, as I have. So I have a year subscription. And um, yeah, it's so this is a film that I think had every hope of being in the Oscar race. It, had, it takes all the Oscar boxes the problem is, well, there are a couple of problems. One, it's not, it's good, but it's not great. So it kind of very quietly missed the Oscar qualification dates last year. Apple picked it up in the middle of the of last year. But on the surface, this is a film that absolutely should be in the awards conversation. It's a, it's a very, very socially conscious film. It's a film that has something to say about the state of the world now and in 1960s America. It, it's about two uh, African-American guys uh, played by real life, real life, true story, true story, uh, played by Anthony Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson. It is not an Avengers spinoff. Uh, they play Bernard Garrett and... Joe Morris and Bernard Garrett was a basically genius level mathematician uh, uh, who came up with a way he was he went into real estate and obviously real estate back in the 1940s 1950s 1960s in America was not necessarily geared towards black people it didn't really let them in to to the world of business uh, but um, Samuel L. Jackson's character Joe Morris has got himself a, a foothold in that business so the two of them team up and they decide to turn the tables on 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 high society really uh, by buying a building in which a load of banks are housed um now the wrinkle is that they know that as two black guys they're not going to get their foot in the door to buy this building so they hire a dim-witted but well-meaning uh, white guy uh, who is a handyman played by nicholas holt uh to be their the face of their business essentially, so they they teach him to bluff his way through mathematical discussions and discussions about shares and stock prices and all sorts. They teach him how to play golf, which means there's a, a number of scenes in this movie of Sam Jackson on a golf course, which must be the best time he's ever had in the movie. And then uh, it goes a little bit deeper from there. They decide to buy a bank back home, uh, or rather back in Bernard Garrett's hometown uh, in Texas, uh, which is a, a somewhat racist hometown. This is America in the 1960s before the civil rights movement really kicked in. And uh, so once again, they had to pretend to be Nicholas Holt's character's chauffeur, Nicholas Holt's character's butler, for them to be even in the room or around him as he's having these discussions that he's not qualified to have. But the thing is, he starts to believe that he's not only the face of the operation, but perhaps the brains of the operation as well. And he wants a bigger piece of the pie and things may not turn out so well. Ultimately, we we shall see. Again, this is something you can absolutely Google. This is a true story. Um, 
and it all seems all the pieces are in place. You know, the performances are really good. Uh, it the movie's at its best when it's angry about things, when it's uh, when it's making you angry as an audience member about the state of the world, about the the horrible iniquities that they had to suffer, the racism they had to suffer, overt and not overt. Uh, from uh, there's a there's a sequence where a Bernard buys a building, and there's a racist old lady who refuses to believe that he owns the building, so that she lives in. So she calls the cops on him, and that moment is fraught with tension as well. And he's a very buttoned down guy as well. He's he's aware of racism. He obviously is aware of racism. He experiences it every single day, but he tucks it away inside. He doesn't display it overtly, which is an interesting choice, I think, from Anthony Mackie in this film. Um, Sam Jackson is a is a much showier role, and he I, I I haven't seen him have fun like this in the big screen for a long long time. Um, however, I didn't think I thought it was fine. I gave it three stars. The first half is quite fun, quite frothy. The second half is less so. The second half drenches you in lots of financial speak and lots of financial exposition and you're not entirely sure what the stakes are for these characters or, or what will happen to them if things turn bad. Uh, some of the character motivations seem a little bit squeaky and it's it's perfunctorily written and co-written and directed by George Nolfi who directed the Adjustment Bureau and the mm. Bruce Lee kind of biopic The Birth of the Dragon a, a couple of years ago. And I, I, I watched it thinking this is all fine but it all seems to be pretty much told in a very very basic manner there's you know there's, he doesn't really try anything out of the ordinary he doesn't really try and jazz it up a little bit uh, which is a bit of a shame but uh, whenever whenever Mackie and Holt and Jackson who are all excellent are on screen together and whenever the film has a has a bee in its bonnet about racism uh, it's really good when it's a movie about banking and potential banking fraud it's less good but uh, you know enjoyable enough uh, and therefore I gave it three stars so check it out on Apple Plus if you so desire so, a three star kind of week a three star mm. kind of week and you know listen we should also mention there's all sorts of other places there's all sorts of other things that are on Netflix and Amazon mm. Prime and the BBC iPlayer it's got tons of great films at the moment for people to watch there's uh, there's movie as well which I mentioned beforehand yeah. Uh, I just watched Army of Shadows on Mubi today, which to my shame I had not previously seen. Mm -hmm. uh, the Jean-Pierre Melville film about the French Resistance, and it's brilliant, mm. and I loved it. He was in so Resistance, get after that Melville. One. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was all based on, well, not all based on, but it was certainly inspired by his, his experiences there. And I just thought it was amazing. And now I've got a little bit of a crush on the lead character who was great. I think it was, is it Lenny Ventura? He was amazing. I think you mean Jesse Ventura from Predator, uh, don't you? <laughs> Pretty sure I don't, but I, I mean, it's an easy mistake to make. One is a, f well, Italian French star and the other one is Jesse Ventura from Predator. <laughs> what so. is Jesse Ventura? <laughs> the size of a mountain. Was he the governor of Minnesota or governor something? Governor of Minnesota, yes. <laughs> yeah. Why, yeah. Why, why do I know that? <laughs> What useful information? Lino Ventura. Lino, not Lenny. Lino, Lino okay. Ventura. All right, okay. Does he say, I ain't got time to bleed at any point? Um, no, but he really doesn't have time to bleed. And he does at one point get shot and just keep going. <laughs> yeah, there's some great, there's a sort of Melville season on there as well. So Bob LaFlambert uh, was, has yeah. just disappeared. So if you don't know what movie is, essentially, it's uh, very art housey, obviously. It's like having the Criterion mm -hmm. Collection on your phone or on your device or on your TV. And... Uh, the idea is it has 30 films at any one time, 30 films. So every day they add a film and they take away a film. So it's a bit like it's a bit like the platform in that sense, I guess. <laughs> in a weird way, it's a bit oh. like Cube. Uh, Who's spitting on Melville at the top? 
No one's spitting a Melville at the top, but right now there's a whole bunch of Melville no on there. There's a couple of Ber- Bergman films. There's a couple of Sean Cocteau films on there as well. And they, they mix it up as well. So there's some new stuff as well from all around the world. And uh, it's it's a really, really cool uh, service if you haven't checked that one mm. out. Let me see. Disney Plus we've covered. Apple Plus is beginning to get its act together. The, the, the banker is, I think, probably only the first of their salvo. The trailer came out this week for Defending Jacob, which is going to be an Apple TV mm, release, isn't that's it? That's right. Uh, Indeed. Uh, Michelle Dockery and uh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans and uh, what's the what's this, the state of his face in this one, Hells? But you know you know my position on this. Chris Evans' beard is a very pleasant beard, but it's no Cap's beard. It's true, actually. His Defending Jacob beard is not the same as his Cap beard. It's, it's just his everyday Chris Evans mm, great it's beard. It's less lustrous. Yeah, but the Cap, Cap's beard is a whole other, a whole other beast. And that bombshell, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, join us next week for more isolated film-related fun. Well, we'll be joined by somebody. I don't know. Um, the old Rolodex is going into overdrive. But uh, we, listen, we also may be getting guests. Guests may be happening on the old Empire Podcast over the next few weeks because people got things to promote and we want to talk to them. But until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is a goodbye. From my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, Brett Goldstein having left the building. James Dyer. Goodbye from James Dyer. Goodbye, Chris. Is that it? That's it. Oh, okay. Well, you, you were expecting a silly... Well, Chris, uh, let me tell you, the last use of the word... Cunt Bangly bang. ...in cinema was... No, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Paula. Interesting. And hey, listen, yes. my, wife has, my wife has appeared. She has. My wife has appeared. Uh, much talked about... Never made an appearance in the Empire Podcast. Would you like to say hello into this microphone, Fala? Nope. No, she no. wouldn't. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> she heard me talking about use of the word "bangly bang" in cinema. I was like, "And this is not for me." <laughs> She's going. She, she's probably thinking, "Are you still fucking doing that podcast?" Christ Almighty, let's go watch the Mandalorian. Uh, very, very good advice, Lee. She brought me a Twix and some Coca-Cola. She's the best wife. Oh, bless she's her. She's the best wife. She's but trying to send you to an early yes, grave. <laughs> unfortunately, Jorgen, 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 Neubert, Jorgen Norbert Klopp has my, has my heart. He is my soulmate, but what can you do? Uh, anyway, it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. Keep it lit, everybody. Well, that's a new or one. Don't. What? <laughs> what is happening? I was talking to my sister the other day. Okay, boomer. <laughs> what? what? Fuck off. You're older than I am. <laughs> Wow, this may be the last time this little trio appears on the Empire Podcast. That's for sure. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. I am off to make a heartfelt apology to our editor, Emma, for all the, well, frankly, bangly bang it's, that she's going to have to edit from this, this program. It was entirely James Dyer's fault. And you know why? It's because he's a massive c- bangly banged. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Bye.